Children of all ages, that is. Uh, We will be playing a little game tonight as I share this brief message. We used to do this, but it's been a long time since we've done it. Uh, I want you to count the number of times I use the word ridiculous. And if you get the number right after the service, I'll be in the back and I will have a gift for you. Seriously. So children of all ages, if you count correctly, if you get the right number, then see me in the back on your way out. All right. I suspect many of us have a lot of traditions that you've been engaging in over these past few days and will be tomorrow. One of those, I'm sure, is a movie-watching tradition. Uh, We do the same in the Randall home. Chances are some of our favorites are also some of yours. According to USA Today, through a quick Google search, Elf is the most popular Christmas movie in America this year. Elf. I find that so disappointing. (laughs) It's not close to Home Alone. Not even close. To me, Elf isn't close to Home Alone. It's not close to White Christmas. It's not close to It's a Wonderful Life. And for many of you, I know it's not close to the ridiculous Christmas Vacation. Some of you have been watching Christmas Vacation at Nate Jones' house for the past 20 years. And you'll continue to do so. Nick and Maddie Bratcher, who uh, lead RUF at UK, were at my house this past week, and they were wearing Christmas vacation sweaters. The unique thing is, that movie was made two years before they were born. How do they even know what that is? But if you think about it, movies like Home Alone, movies like Christmas Vacation, those things that we love, even though the whole thing is truly ridiculous, There is some reason that we watch them over and over and over. You know what I think it is? What's so appealing, like a movie like Home Alone? It's that even though they are completely over the top and extreme in all things, truly extreme in all things, in a way, they are relatable to us all. Not in the craziness, but the reality is lots of us have crazy uncles, Lots of us have impossible Christmas expectations and plans. A lot of us get anxious when the in-laws show up for Christmas. A lot of us are disappointed when we don't get a bonus from our work like we thought we should. A lot of us have annoying younger siblings. A lot of us can forget important things even during the holidays. And the list goes on and on and on. Again, these Christmas movies are, in a strange way, relatable. They really are. Even though they are ridiculous, they are relatable. As we consider the birth of our Savior tonight and the fact that our lives are different because this Jesus came for us, he lived for us, he died for us, for the reality that our sin truly can be taken away and that he rose from the dead and he's returning for us, what is shocking to me as we think about these passages, just like we read in Luke 1 and Luke 2 tonight, these scenes of Jesus' birth, The whole scene truly is ridiculously human. Heaven has invaded the earth, and yet there's something so human that's going on. It's filled with human activity, which is really crazy. If you think back to Luke 1 and Luke 2, think about some of these aspects of that magical night, which are either common to us or extremely common to mankind. A pregnant woman and a scared soon-to-be father. The disappointment of having nowhere to spend the night, having to be creative to find lodging, an unmarried couple living under government policies which required them to travel away from home, 
duties to obey civil magistrates, hometowns and memories of hometowns, childbirth without medical care, it would appear, grandparents somewhere else, the darkness of night, the tiredness of travel. It's really quite human. Placing the baby in a manger is not relatable to any of us because it's so outrageously strange. We wouldn't do that. It's beneath us, if you will. Now, we know that this Jesus is our king, but think about it. Do any of these things sound like the life of a king? These common activities, these normal life actions, these actions which are even some way below us? Especially, do these sound like actions of the one who is called the king of kings and the lord of lords? These descriptions are just way too common, way too strange, way too ridiculously human. I think this scene is filled with awkward conversations, difficult relational matters, strong odors, sounds of animals, hunger, and tiredness. Again, consider this young, lower-class, unmarried couple having a baby with questions surrounding them all. Again, let your mind go back to that evening and embrace the common human components And be reminded again who this baby was. The smells, the problems, the challenges, the need for food and water, the discomfort, all of it. And then remember this Jesus is also called our eternal father. His presence as the king is truly beyond our imagination. You know, this evening there's another scene of this Jesus that's been on my mind. And it paints a different picture of him. It comes from Isaiah chapter 6, and you probably know this passage well. If you're not familiar with Isaiah 6, do yourself a favor, and tomorrow read this passage again, maybe for the first time. It's amazing. Hear these words about the same Jesus. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who is called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost. Can you picture that Jesus in that setting, in that throne room? He's pictured as holy. His majesty is so great that the train of his robe filled the temple. Heavenly beings surrounded him and they cried out, holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. His glory. Jesus' glory. Our Savior's glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And how did Isaiah respond when he saw him? He fell down as though he were a dead man. That is Jesus. That is the king on his holy throne. But now think again to this manger. This same Jesus as a baby in an attempt to connect these two scenes with the sounds and smells and rumors and coldness and need for food and staying dry from the weather. The scene is more than just a contrast from his place in heaven. This is crazy. It's ridiculous. 
It's so utterly human. What was this king doing as a newborn infant in need of breast milk? The one who shook the foundations of the temple with his voice. Seriously, what was he doing in that manger? Well, you know the answer. We know the answer. On that night, he became one of us. And he remained both God and man. He's one of us now. He entered into the story. He entered into our story. He entered into the madness. He entered into the craziness of a world which would consistently reject the love that God created for us. He stepped into the mess, into our mess, into the cosmic mess which our sin created. And he became part of it so that he could change it. That he could redeem it. That he could remake it. That he could claim it. That he could love it. That he could die for it. We all know the story, I suspect. So let me simply ask you tonight. What does this miracle mean for you? How did this baby's coming affect you? I think it means it changed everything. Everything. Of all that it means, please hear this tonight. There is not one single thing you are going through tonight that this king is unable to relate. Not one thing. In the magic of that moment of his birth, he who was eternal, who is holy, and who is worshipped by all beings, is the most relatable person this world has ever seen. This is our Savior. He's God. He's with us. So tonight, you really can trust him. You really can go to him. You really can call out to him. You really can pray to him. You really can trust his providence in your life. The Heidelberg Catechism asks this question. Isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised? And the Catechism answer is this. Christ is true man and true God. In his human nature, Christ is not now on earth, but in his divinity, his majesty, and his grace, and his spirit, he's never absent from us. Christ is with us tonight. How can we describe his miracle? How can we describe his love? I would say it's simply this. It's ridiculous in the sense we could never make this up. This is Christmas. Jesus came for us. Jesus is here. This is our story. This is our faith. Tonight, we celebrate we have a king. Tonight, we celebrate that our king came. Tonight, we celebrate that our king is here. And tonight, we celebrate that our king is returning. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and thank the Lord. Father, it truly is too good to be true. We rejoice this evening in your love for us. I pray that the miracle of that moment would grip our hearts afresh tonight. That we would leave tonight and we would celebrate tomorrow knowing that, Jesus, you are alive. That you are good. That you love us. And that you are returning for us someday. We praise you tonight in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.